the most competitive guy. Like, I mean, I would throw on Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, oh, yeah. Kobe Bryant. It's basketball. It can't be, you know, you, you can't overthink it. Welcome back to uh, King and Foster. I am Terry Foster, along with Jimmy King, who uh, who was a Fab Five uh, fame and still loves it. He loves being called, you know, Fab Five guy. Welcome back. Uh, James, you can be honest. Am I bitching or is this a legit one? Uh, before I, retired, I worked at 97.1 The Ticket, which is a sports powerhouse in Detroit. And... Um, I got sick. I had a stroke. I was in the hospital for five days. Then I was back in the hospital for three days. And then I had a third episode, something. It was like the stomach flew in the hospital for two days. So over the course of six weeks, I was in the hospital for 11 days or something like that. Um, I was disappointed because the people who I did a show with, uh, never showed up to visit me in the hospital. And I just think it's protocol. If you have a working relationship with somebody, if you are with them every day and you're tight, because they always used to talk about how we're a brotherhood and all this bullshit. But when I'm sick and I, and I, and I, I don't know what's going to be happening the next day, I don't know if I'm walking out of this. I, I want to see some faces. I want to see some people who I know and love and, you know, the fans there. That was good. Um, you know, my good friends were there and that, that, that felt good. But I wanted to see somebody who I work with there. Am I bitching or is that legit? <clears throat> no, I don't think you're bitching at all. I think that's legit. I mean, I would feel a certain type of way of – my coworkers didn't come see me <clears throat> knowing that I wasn't, uh, you know, uh, in the best of my health. You know, we always try to foster the environment of family um, relationship where <clears throat> we like to go out together, do uh, uh, company functions, maybe hang out um, on the weekend sometime together. And so when something like that happens where uh, one of our family members goes down, part of being in the family, or if we want to foster that environment, is, is making sure that we support them. <laughs> and, and particularly when they're sick and shut in, you know, the church teaches you about going to visit the sick and the shut in because that energy that that energy that um uh, uh your presence of being there helps you know you talk to a lot of nurses you talk to doctors they tell you there are a lot of things uh that are physiological that cannot be explained and one of them is particularly like when you're born, that's why they they try to put their put the child on the mother to bond um, as quickly as possible uh, because there is a uh, a physiological advantage to that. And when you're sit sit in the hospital and you 
you know, you're sick, that, you know, the, the presence of your friends and your family helps, the presence of the people, your coworkers who, you know, <clears throat> you, you spend a lot of time with that helps. So, uh, no, I don't think that you're complaining at all. If, if no one in that office came or called, you know, I think that's kind of selfish in a, in a way. Right. And maybe after a different environment, because in church every Sunday, they, they had, uh, I forget, I think it was called the sick and shut in and mm-hmm. they would list, uh, you know, Mildred Smitherman, age 78 is at so-and-so nursing home or somebody's yep. at Henry Ford hospital or Beaumont. Mm-hmm. We had to go visit these people. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know who that My yep. aunt may have, my grandmother may have known them, but I'm, I'm sitting yep. up there like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> how many people you've saved just from doing that just from going <laughs> in just saying like hey <laughs> yeah, but I, didn't say anything. I was i was a kid standing in the corner like scared like i hope they don't die when i while i'm here <laughs> anything like that <laughs> well that's that well see that's the adverse part of it though you know you sit up in right. there you're a child as well and you're like i don't know these people and then they could croak at any moment yeah that's that's kind of scary, but that's but yeah. that's part of life. Though. You got to learn, you know, life or death. Is- yeah. yeah, I have a bitterness now. Like I never want to set foot in that station again. And it doesn't have nothing to do with the fact no one visited me from the hospital. But there's something, some other stuff that happened like a couple years later. I can't say what it is because if I do, they'll where I got it from, and somebody might get fired. But mm-hmm. um, just know the. <laughs> can be pretty shitty at times. Dish the dirt. We want the dirt. Dish the dirt. Man, you everybody losing their job. Come on all now. Right, all right. All right. All right. They're not rich like you. All right. Rich, please. Ask them if they are hiring. I'm Jamaican, man. I got seven, okay. eight jobs, man. Okay. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, I, I just had a... Uh, lecture with my daughter Celine and um, you know she's about hopefully if she ever graduates uh, she's about to go into the corporate world she had three jobs she has three job offers for when she graduates and she's she's already selected one but my whole thing with her is don't be one of those women that does the same work as a guy and gets paid 60 of what he does um, I, I think women are taught not to fight for raises, not to seek other jobs, not to put two corporations a, a, against each other. Because the only way you get paid in our world, at least in the, the world of journalism and, and, and in the corporate world, is you have a job offer from somebody else. So mm-hmm. women have mm-hmm. been taught don't have bidding wars. Don't, don't rattle the cages. And guys, that's all we do. Job offers, we rattle the cages, and that's how you get paid. So that's what I told her. I said, because she's a little bit upset. Uh, it looks like she's not. We don't know if uh, they're gonna. She's gonna have her senior year. Mm-hmm. So she's a little bit down about that. And I said, you know what? Now is the time to get paid. Because nobody cares what your GPR is in, in college. They want to know, are you competent? Can you job? Because uh, when I got into journalism, 
No one asked my GPA in school. They just want to know, could I write stories on deadline? They didn't, they right. didn't ask me if I waited. Right. I did. Nobody asked that. <laughs> Shit, can you write yeah. a football game story and get it in by 11 o'clock at night? And, and everybody can it. understand. That's all we need. See, the thing about <clears throat> education is it teaches you the, the uh, technical side of it. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then the, when you go into the, the workforce, it teaches you the practical side and the real life and the real, the real business side of it. So mm-hmm. you may have education, but then uh, you find out that the business of doing that job is different. So, for instance, you may want to be a businessman. You may want to be an entrepreneur, but that may cause you to be a politician, particularly depending on what industry you're in. Like you, you may have to lobby to help advance your cause and your business. So at some point you do somewhat become political. And, and so that's why, you know, it's, you, it's, it's uh it's it's a lot to to encompass depending on the level of the business that you're doing and um and what you're doing but um you know you just got to be engaged and know what it is and you could you could stay on top you could have an advantage like you know this year my daughter she's going to be a junior at the University of Michigan and she's changed her major and I asked her <clears throat> you know are you excited you know anticipating her uh getting on campus this year she said I'm nervous and I'm like, what, you know, and that was a surprise answer for me. And I was like, what you got to be nervous about? And and she's nervous because of uh, of just that. Like, it's, it's you know, the work um, of of the expectations and, and everything that she uh, has done so far up to this point is seemingly not uh, is going to be different. But really, that experience is going to help her. Um, with the choice that she made moving forward. So that's, that's my advice to, to anyone, you know, is, is gather all information as much information as you can take as many chances as you can, and don't be afraid to change and go in any direction that you feel you need to. Yeah. You need to be somewhere you feel like you're respected. Or, 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 or gain your respect because sometimes people will try to disrespect you um, because of their insecurities or because they're in a power to do so and they feel like, you know, they can control you that way. So you may have to go in there and, you know, kind of claim your, uh, you know, your space. You know, for years, women have had to do that. For years, uh, minorities have had to do that We've had to prove prove ourselves uh, more over than our counterparts, so it's a uh, it's just something that um, I think you have to ingrain and take and take in with you, and then don't be afraid to let it loose when you get the opportunity. A lot of times, um, I think some of us get in a position and we keep our mouth shut because you know last in first out or you know, everyone is always looking at you because you're the minority or you're the woman. Um, I say, 
always, you know, God put you in that position for a reason. So you stand bold in that and whatever happens out of that, because your job doesn't define who you are. You're always a human. You're a man or a woman. You're a person. You're a human being first. And that's what I teach my kids. Right. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm telling her, don't worry about your senior year. Don't get depressed if it's not as fun as your first three years. Now it's time to think about getting paid. Uh, because my senior year, I, I had my job. And if that didn't work out, then I had another uh, opportunity somewhere else. But she's got an, uh, a chance to work either in Chicago or Dallas. And uh, Dallas. Tell well, her. Tell her this. Tell her. Here's what you tell her when it comes what? to comparing cities. Chicago and Dallas, very similar. The difference is the weather. That's <laughs> and true. It's a big but, that she knows, but if she's trying to think about like you know networking, nightlife, uh, environment, all that type of stuff, similar. They're they're bare, they're they're parallel. The the major difference difference obviously is the weather. No, that's Chicago pizza. They got Chicago. Matter of fact, me and my parents went to a, uh, a, a Chicago owned restaurant here in Plano. They're from Chicago. The owner just drove back to Chicago two days ago. Don't don't say pizzeria uno because that stuff is not real Chicago pizza. That's not good. It may not be real, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, the wife and I were also talking about that the kids are moving out at some point, uh, although they're going to be in the uh, house for another four months because of COVID. I think it's time for us to downsize. We got a, you know, our house is pretty big and we got our big backyard, which takes a lot of maintenance, particularly in the fall, because every, you know, in the fall, all these leaves fall and it's got to be a million leaves. So um, I I am not um, I I'm not married to live in the D Detroit metro area beyond two years from now, and, uh, and I talked to her about what about Petoskey or Traverse City or living somewhere you know up north, and uh, we're afraid to do that because there's, there's no black people. <laughs> but, I got something for you. No, listen, I got an alternative. I'm telling you, there's plenty of black people down here and you'll enjoy the weather. Like when you get up, how, how degrees? would it be? Huh? 115 degrees? Yeah, but that, that's okay. You just get you a little, get you a little fan that blows a little mist. So you get the water droplets that bead up on your skin. And then you could look over to your wife and say, now see, isn't this so much better? They're sitting up in Petoskey <laughs> or somewhere north with a scully on and a jacket that's pulled all the way up to your ears and you still cold? I'll take the alternative. We get the beach in the summer, though. That's pretty nice. Well, the, well see, you could get the beach anywhere and you could fly. Look, there's beaches here. There's plenty of lakes. Plenty. A lot of lakefront property. You got a lot of water sports. The weather is always good. You don't have to wait until maybe the, the the late spring or early summer to do those type of things. It's almost year-round here. It's beautiful. And you're centrally located 
nationally. So you could get any coast in two hours. Either way, L.A., New York, two hours. All right. All right, beautiful. Uh, have you been to Galveston? Have you been to the uh, Gulf much? I have, not lately. Um, I took my senior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Corpus Christi, Galveston, um, Brownstown, um, Little Little Mexico, I think it's called. Yeah, they're, they're, those, those are all the cities I, I hit, but I haven't been down that way in a long time. How long does it take to Dallas? How long what? How long does it take to drive down there from Dallas? Okay. Now, it's anywhere so between, way. it is, it's anywhere between 17 to 20 plus hours, 6 to 18 hours. Get out. Is it that yeah, long? I do it. Yeah, I do it in like 15 so 15 hours to get from Dallas, which is the middle of the state, to the uh, Gulf Coast. Man, you, I mean, we, we, oh, bro. This, we that's could do that. Dallas. Hold up. That's just the Dallas. Now, you want to get to the border, to like Mexico? That's another eight hours. <laughs> so to drive that's from here to Houston is four hours. Then to drive from Houston to the border it's like another four hours. I'll put it to you this way. If you're driving from, say you're driving from Atlanta to LA and you go through, you take 20 all the way across, you go through Texas and you hit Texas, it's going to take you 10 hours to drive across the state of Texas. That place is crazy, man. Too big. <laughs> I, I remember- you want to go like say right now if a matter of fact later today i have to go meet one of my guys to help me set up uh, uh my dj set right it's going to take me 40 minutes to get here to get there but he only lives like 15 miles away oh so your traffic is messed up no That's it's the well, it's not the traffic. It's just the way that, okay. They don't know how to make roads down there. No, there are plenty roads. There are plenty <laughs> roads and tolls. You have to avoid, avoid the tolls because you if if not, you're going to be paying like $100 a month just to go somewhere. You know what? So, uh, we we well, got suckers. You can't we always take the you, you know what? We, Austin, when we rented our car, they gave they they sold us a pass for fifteen dollars that would work for every toll, and the guy mm -hmm. said you got to have this. You're gonna save money and everything. Mm -hmm. We hit no toll roads for the whole five years days we were. I'm like, damn, this dude me for fifteen bucks. Got None. you. <laughs> the tourists got you, man. They see you coming. I know next time. I know next time. <laughs> hey, uh, you know what? I, that's what they do. That's what they do. They, you know, you got to find the, you got the good and the bad. And you got the ones who will help you. And you got the ones who take advantage of you. You got to know which one to look out for. I, I remember I, I went to um, Mexico and one of the uh, uh, locals there uh, helped me 
find my glasses. I went to the water and lost my glasses. Now you can you know, obviously it's hard to, you know, see into the water, especially with rocks and all the stuff in there. This, this guy, I came up out the water. Uh, he saw me and my friends trying to find my glasses. He walked up and he was just, you know, just walking down the beach. He was like, can I help you? He was like, what are you looking for? I was like, man, I lost my glasses in there. I was like, don't even worry about it. It's like, there's no way. He was like, he just looked at me, gave me the hands up like that and did like this and just walked off and walked into the water like a movie. Just walked slowly into the water. He watched his head just go under the water. He was down there for like, he was underwater for like two minutes, not even maybe 30 seconds, but it was a straight 30 seconds though. And it was a long time. And he came up wearing my shades. I was How much you give him? I gave him I gave him 20. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> that's that's a good little game. So amazed. And the way he came out, he came out the water wearing them. Like he can't, the way he, the way that he submerged into the water slowly, he came out the same way with my shades on. I like that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it was cool. Now I am, um, I am, uh, uh, you know, excited baseball. We got some baseball here in Detroit and the Tigers are starting to fade as predicted. But uh, last night, Casey Mize, uh, pitch last night for the first time and there's been this uproar in Detroit. When are the Tigers going to bring up Casey Mize? Saw him pitch. I think he's a guy with a lot of stuff, a lot of heat. He's got a little funk on his ball. Uh, he makes mis- he makes your man mistakes. Like he leaves pitches in the middle of the strike zone that he probably shouldn't have. Uh, he, he should, you know, get those pitches out of the strike zone. I think he's going to be fine. But from now forward, from this point forward, every time he pitches, I'm going to watch him uh, because I really don't know who he is. He's young. I want to see how he's going to develop as a pitcher. And uh, I want to be there from the ground floor to see this guy develop into something for the Detroit Tigers. But I kind of you know, always feel like about young guys. You got to get their scouting report. And that's what it is. And that's what you just, that's what you're explaining. You got to get their scouting report. You got to see how he goes against the guys in the majors um, consistently. And the same way that you're watching his ball hang in the strike zone is the same way his opponents are watching that ball hang in the strike zone. And they're going to put the, um, you know, they're going to put the word out on him. So hopefully he's getting coached where, you know, he, he's minimizing or correcting those mistakes. And, um, you know, if he's as good as, as, as advertised or as they say he's going to be, yeah, let's, let's watch him. Let's, let's watch his progression. Let's see how he develops. Now, this is a, a, a two-way thing. You know, it's, it's a player that's trying to grow and develop, and then you got a team that needs to develop and coach um, a young player up. So we want to see how how that works in the, in the organization. Like that's their job. That's that's what I like to see in all organizations, whether it's the Tigers, the Lions, or the Pistons. Um, it's player development and how well, uh, how good are you in val- evaluating the talent? 
How good are you in developing the talent? And how good are you in implementing that talent in your system? Right. And, and I know uh, the Tigers want to push to make the playoffs. They're only a game, game and a half out of the playoffs. I don't care about making the playoffs this year. Because even if it, and they have to play uh, the Yankees or even Tampa or Cleveland, they're not going to win. They won't win a first-round playoff series against anybody that they may face. So I'm more interested in them developing young talent. Mm -hmm. Get the playoffs. If it happens, it happens. But don't don't knock yourself out. Um, and if I had my druthers, would I rather see the Tigers as a eight seed in the playoffs or missing it and getting a better draft pick? I'd rather have the better draft pick. I'd rather have the better draft pick too. However, I would also, I'm greedy. I would also want the experience of my players in the playoffs, whether they don't have a chance or not, just for the preparation and everything that comes with that. I would want that for my young players. So it's almost like a double-edged sword. I don't think, I think you could get good and, and get the education you need either way. However, I definitely want the talent. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, that is such malarkey. The Pistons always talk about, let's develop some uh, get some games, and they get swept in the first round anyway. It doesn't matter. So, anyway. Well, then, uh, maybe, well, then maybe they need a new regime. They got Come a new regime. They got a new regime. We're going to send the new new over to uh, Little Caesars yep. Arena? New All right. Management. New, new management. All right. All right. Well, you have a very good weekend. I'm going to uh, smoke some chicken wings and feed the fans. So, um, for Jimmy King, I'm Terry Foster. Thanks for listening and watching the King and Foster show here on NRM Streamcast. Everybody be good. And we see will you. see you next, next Tuesday. We'll have another show. Peace out.